minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back. It is good to be back for another Friday show. Thank you, Kyle. There will be no singing tonight, as there was last week. The draft is over. It is great to be back, but of course, on last week's show, we got to break down the first round of the draft. By the way, it feels like that happened like a month ago. Um, Seriously, this has been a long week. Um, Today, we're going to be tasked with a little bit more difficult task than breaking down Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage. Yeah, we are going to spend this entire episode, and we're going to take the time to dedicate it to our 6th and 7th round selections that the Packers made in the 2019 NFL Draft. The Packers used their two picks in the 6th round to select Kadar Hallman and running back Dexter Williams. I was nervous about that name coming up there. (laughs) And then the Green Bay Packers selected linebacker Ty Summers with their final selection in the seventh round. And so we're going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about them, uh, where they came from, what they bring to the Packers, and how hopefully these diamonds in the rough will make their mark in the NFL. So, Andrew, why don't you get us started here? Yeah, so uh, the previous mention, Kadar Hallman, the corner out of Toledo, He is, um, well, first of all, stop me if you've heard this before. The Packers drafted an elite athlete. Boy, uh, Goot certainly seems to have a type, doesn't he? Uh, Holman ran a 4.3940. He had a 6.813 cone and a 38-inch vertical. So if you don't know what any of that means, Greedy Williams ran .02 seconds faster in the 40, but Holman's other numbers absolutely blow Greedy Williams out of the water. And Greedy was supposed to be the elite athlete out of the corners. So that's a fun prospect to play with. You rarely see elite testers like Holman have to prove themselves, but Kadar was a guy who had to mail his high school tapes to over 100 different colleges looking for someone to give him a chance. And Toledo gave him that chance. So what is not to like about Holman? First of all, he's going to be a 25-year-old rookie, so that's not ideal, but that's okay. Um, there's not a ton of time for development with him, but he still needs to work on some of his game. He tends to play the man instead of the ball. He could be a little bit penalty prone if he doesn't improve his technique. He has short arms, and he also sometimes gets baited by double moves. But you could say that about a whole heck of a lot of the corners that are coming in the NFL as rookies. Number one, I love this story. I love Holman that, you know, Kadar is going to work to be as great as he had to be just in order to play college football. And I love the raw talent. He's going to have to prove he can be a gunner to make the roster. And he's exactly the type of player you'd look for in that role. But he has to prove that he can finish the tackles and not just use his speed to get down the field. If he does that, he'll have a chance to make the team. The main thing that I think is working against him is the tremendous depth the Packers suddenly have at defensive back. You you look at the the depth chart, you have Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Josh Jackson, Tony Brown, Tremont Williams, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Raven Green, and Josh Jones. And you would 
you would think those nine players probably going to make the roster. Whether or not Josh Jones is a linebacker, it doesn't really matter. Are the Packers going to be willing to keep nine or ten defensive backs um, just to fit a guy like Holman on the roster? And I think that's probably the biggest challenge he's going to have because you love the clay, right? Um, But how do you form that into a productive NFL player? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing that did catch my attention was that he's going to be 25 years old during his rookie season. And that's a little bit um, of something different than what we expect from the Packers. They like to take those young players, especially in the early rounds. So we'll see um, if he can develop into that player that Green Bay obviously hopes he can be. But you're always excited to pull for guys like Holman who have the kind of story that he has. And I completely agree that his path to this roster is going to be to proving his worth on special teams. That's where he's going to make this team. And he'll be competing with a really really talented group of undrafted free agents that the Packers brought in after the draft as well. So lots to pay attention to there in the cornerback and the defensive back group as a whole. Um, But in the sixth round later on pick 194, the Packers selected Dexter Williams, the running back from Notre Dame. And Dexter Williams was a pick that was one of my favorites that the Packers made in this draft class. I really love the way that the Packers chose to address the running back position because this 2019 class wasn't a great one for running backs. There were certainly some talented players, but just not the top-end talent that other drafts have produced recently. And you have to love what the Packers have in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but the depth behind them is the big question mark. So running back was kind of a low-key need, in my opinion, entering this draft, but I'm sure Green Bay didn't want to throw a ton of priority into those early rounds at running back, especially in a week running back class. And so I really, really love what the Packers were able to do in getting Dexter Williams in the sixth round. This is a player that the Packers have admitted that they were surprised was available in the sixth round. And this is also a player that some of our friends over at the draft network had a fourth round grade on. So getting him in the sixth is a huge plus value. And obviously Dexter's role is going to be as a backup in Green Bay. And it's an absolutely ideal situation that a backup runner is able to step in and run with the same style and athleticism as the guy that they are spelling or replacing because of injury. And so what's crazy about Dexter is he has an athletic profile that is very similar to Aaron Jones. In fact, MockDraftable.com lists Aaron Jones as the number one comp for Dexter Williams, which is pretty crazy. The other crazy thing is that Dexter Williams is basically tailor-made for this zone rushing attack. He has great vision, good patience, and always maximized the opportunities that he was given in college. If it was blocked for him, he was going to find it, and he took advantage of those opportunities. And if you look up film on Dexter Williams, you'll find that he is frequently taking the ball to the house on long runs. It kind of seems like The film that you find is these highlights of these big, big runs. And Dexter only ran a 4.57 40-yard dash, but the defensive backs in these games seem to have plenty of trouble trying to catch him. So I wouldn't be worried about his speed either. Uh, But there are some question marks with Dexter, and frankly, his question marks are probably why he's still on the board in the sixth round. First, there are some questions about his game on the field. 
we really don't see Dexter do much at all in the passing game. And in today's NFL, you do want that element from your running backs. Another on-field concern is that Williams rarely creates on his own. And this is kind of a big one that a lot of people knocked him for. He gets every inch that's blocked for him, but he's rarely going to break a tackle. And he's not super elusive in the open field. And he definitely will need to grow as a blocker in the pass game at the next level. And you know with the Packers um, and Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be a big deal. They're going to want him to be able to block to stay on the field. Uh, But these are all things that can be improved upon with experience and coaching. The last thing that we do have to mention with Dex is he does have some off-field concerns. Three years ago, he was arrested for possessing marijuana and possession of a handgun without a license. Williams was also suspended for the first four games of 2018 for violating team rules. All that said, though, Dexter has spoken openly about how he changed his friend group completely and hung out almost exclusively with his Notre Dame teammates to give him himself a fresh start and talks about how that was kind of a catalyst for him to changing his life. So uh, Dexter Williams is a great addition to this team and greatly improves the depth at running back in 2019. And it is really remarkable that they were able to add him for a sixth round pick. And so this is a selection that I continue to be pretty excited about that the Packers were able to make. Yeah, prep prep yourself for my analysis here. The guy already has green hair. He's a perfect fit. <laughs> yeah, and between uh, Dexter's green hair and Rashawn Gary's commitment to put cheese on everything, it seems like the Packers prioritize guys who are just going to fit into this Green Bay culture pretty well. Right. In all seriousness, though, uh, this is there's a heartbreaking slash heartwarming story associated with Dexter Williams. His mother has two terminal illnesses. And if, if you were watching the ESPN coverage of the draft, um, I was trying to watch both NFL Network and ESPN simultaneously. Um, <laughs> they did have a really in-depth piece on it, really touching. Uh, try to catch that if you can. But Dexter and his family have been open about sharing their struggles and and his mom got to see her son drafted in the NFL and apparently now is moving. She moved to West Bend when he was in college and is now moving to Green Bay. So a huge welcome uh, to Wisconsin, to Dexter and his mom. And now my most sincere hope is she gets to see Dexter playing in the league for years to come. Um, and certainly, you know, a really cool story and, and something to, to monitor. Um, now I get to talk about the Packers seventh round pick and, as you know, Kyle, the Packers' seventh-round pick last year was Kendall Donerson, who <laughs> is not only my favorite player, but who is, I would say, guaranteed to be a Pro Bowler next year. Absolutely. So is this how it's going to go? It's just going to be the seventh-round player that you uh, you adopt as your guy every year? Well, let me say this. Everybody was in love with Devin Bush's measurables leading into the draft. And then the Packers go out in the seventh round, pick 226 overall. They draft linebacker Ty Summers from TCU. Ty Summers was eight pounds heavier than Devin Bush, and he only ran his 40 in 0.8 seconds slower. He has six more bench reps than Bush and was only an inch shorter in the broad jump. So why has won the 10th pick and won the 226th? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, athleticism obviously doesn't tell the whole story, and I'm, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but one issue is that Ty Summers' tape doesn't always show his incredible measurables. Um, sometimes you have guys who play faster than their speed. You just got done talking about Dexter Williams, and that's certainly the case with him. Um, and, and sometimes they look a little bit slower than what they run in shorts. 
I think his instincts are a bit lacking, and he can sometimes play with a little bit of hesitancy. I think a lot of that stems from him being a quarterback in high school and then converting to the position in college. He's really still learning how to be a linebacker at a position that probably requires the most instincts. And he plays with a ton of effort, which is great. And I think that's going to be, you know, I actually think you, you I'm going to take a step back here. You think a guy with his elite athleticism is going to be great in pass coverage, but I think Summers is going to be a better run stopper and blitzer than he is going to be in pass coverage early in his career. That's a weird thought, but he just doesn't have the instincts yet for zone drops. He might be able to match up with tight ends and running backs in man, but his technique isn't super refined. So it will be a bit of a risk to put him in man coverage. Summers actually has a pretty obvious path to the roster. You have Blake Martinez, you have Oren Burks. They're clearly ahead of him. But James Crawford is the only other off-ball linebacker on the roster, unless the Packers did something crazy like move Donerson to the inside. But in any case, Summers is going to be given every opportunity to make the team. So overall, if you're going to draft a guy in the seventh round, give me a guy with elite measurables. And Summers should be able to contribute on special teams right away. I actually think he could bump James Crawford as the special teams guy off the roster. Um, And I'm really excited to see a guy like him and maybe Kendall Donerson blowing up kick returns for other teams. Yeah, absolutely. And I I do think that there's a chance that the Packers would prioritize a guy who's younger with more upside in, in Summers. Um, over someone like James Crawford, just to they kind of know what they have in him. So we'll see how that plays out. And in no way, let me preface this: in no way do I think that Ty Summers is the same player as these guys that I'm about to mention. And Andrew stated that Summers' instincts might be the thing holding him back the most. But that said, one of the closest comps for Summers was actually the Bears' 2018 first-round pick, Roquan Smith. Now, obviously, these guys are on completely different planets currently as players, but you can see why the Packers would continue to roll the dice on guys like this who have these elite measurables. So we'll see if he can live up to any of these comps, but at a minimum, I think we can expect some kind of an impact on the field in the special teams area for sure. Uh, But before we wrap today's episode, we wanted to talk about how sometimes you can almost learn more about a team from what they don't do than even what they do. And I do think the Packers' lack of activity in a few areas of this roster gives us some hints about some things that we can expect going forward. So we're going to try to read read between the lines a little bit here. And one of the most interesting things to me in this Packers draft class is that they didn't pick anyone who looks like they have a future at right tackle. Elton Jenkins could play there in a pinch, but the Packers likely view him as a guard with great ability to be the backup center. And so with Brian Balaga in his last year of his deal, most fans assume that this will be his last go around in Green Bay. And the Packers brought in what seemed like almost every offensive tackle prospect who was considered a day one or two prospect on those top 30 visits. It just felt like the names kept coming in as offensive tackles. And so it was interesting to me that the Packers not only passed on Dillard at 12, but they passed on him again at 21 in favor of Darnell Savage. And then they missed out on Dalton Reisner by two picks at pick 44. And then they didn't even roll the dice on a tackle on day three. And so I think a couple things are very possible. First, I think the Packers might think that Billy Turner is their right tackle of the future, that they signed 
to guard money, which would make that deal a lot more intriguing and a lot more uh, interesting and would make a lot more sense if that's how they were viewing that. And the other thing that we have to consider is that the Packers think that Brian Balaga might be worth signing to an extension, especially if it's a team friendly one, knowing, you know, Balaga might know himself well enough to say like, Hey, I've been injured and I might have to sign uh, a team friendly deal to stay here and continue my career. But I have a hard time thinking that with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, the Packers would move forward with no plan for the future of protecting him at right tackle. And so their lack of activity in the draft at tackle leads me to think that they may see Billy Turner or even Brian Balaga's future differently than most fans do at this point. I just wanted to jump in really quick. I, I think you make a great point that Brian Balaga could be back. And I, I, I think, you know, to assume that the writing on the wall uh, is that Balaga is not going to be back after next year, I think is jumping forward a little bit too much. Some of Brian Balaga's injury history is a little bit overblown. Um, if you look back through the number of games he's actually missed, um, it's it's not as substantial as you might think in your mind. And when he is healthy, he is one of the best right tackles in the league. So are the Packers ready to give up on him in his early 30s? Um, I, I don't know. We would have to wait and see. Plus, there's a few other uh, guys who could potentially develop. I know Alex Light is one that people have a lot of promise for um, as a potential, you know, backup tackle now. And then you never know. Maybe he develops. He's got the feet and he's got the the length for it. So if he can add some strength to that frame, could be an intriguing option. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I find that so interesting that Brian Balaga is the most... I guess just like disrespected player in a lot of ways because of how good he is. And everybody assumes that he's already out the door. And like you said, the injuries are a little bit overblown. And I think that there's a chance that the Packers may say, why would we get rid of this guy who, when he is healthy and when he is playing, is one of the best at his position in the league. So I think that may be a foregone conclusion that hasn't actually come uh, to be the case yet. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that. But secondly, I really thought we would see the Packers add a receiver in this draft. And I was convinced that A.J. Brown was going to be the selection at 44. Uh, but obviously that was not the case. So, Andrew, I wanted to ask you, do you think the Packers' lack of movement at the receiver position tells us a little bit about how they feel about these young wideouts that are already on the roster? And then I want to ask you, who do you think might be that second-year receiver that makes that next step and contributes in a big way this year. Really intriguing thing happened in the draft um, as it moved along, and we we saw a lot of wide receivers slide. You saw DK Metcalf fall from who knows how high people were projecting him, you know, top 5, top 10, top 15, whatever, all the way to the end of the second round. You saw huge slides for guys like Hakeem Butler, um, and the list goes on and on. And so is it that the NFL doesn't value receiver as highly as we think? Is it that everybody's looking to the 2020 NFL or wide receiver draft class that's coming in that is, uh, by all regards, going to be one of the best we've seen in years? Um, it could be a combination of all of that. For the Packers' consideration, it has been my opinion since even before the draft that Equinemius St. Brown is the starting slot receiver in Green Bay. It it seems kind of unusual to have a six foot six inch slot receiver, but ESB has really incredible move skills. I remember you and I were raving about um, a move he made in a preseason game where he stuck his foot in the ground after a catch and turned up field, and it looked like Randall Cobb, except you know he was towering over the defensive backs. I love his ability to box out small slot corners. 
And then also, if you try to cover them with a linebacker safety, beating them with quickness. Marcus Valdez-Scantling is probably going to get more opportunities, but St. Brown has the chance to really be a difference maker in this offense. And I was not a big proponent of A.J. Brown. You know, we've talked about this <laughs> both both on the podcast and off. But I didn't think adding another receiver was a necessity anyways. And so I think the Packers are probably pretty happy with what they'll get out of uh, Devontae Adams, of course, uh, but then St. Brown, Valdez Scantling. I think they have some promise with Jamon Moore, and I think we're going to see a lot more two tight end sets and really limit the number of snaps that receivers have to take. Yeah, absolutely. And Geronimo Allison is going to play a huge role in this offense for sure as well. And, and Geronimo so to, Allison, who I totally forgot about, which is yeah, you know, Geronimo. He's our guy. Um, but, you know, just who's that Who's that battle going to be won by that's behind those guys is going to be a huge question. And I, I love the vertical threat that, that Valdez Scantling is, but I really do. Uh, Andrew and I are both big ESB fans, and that one play, and it's so stupid, but it was one play where he stuck his foot in the ground, like Andrew said, and just really did look just like Randall Cobb in a bigger body. So we'll see if maybe he can, he can fill that role going forward. But finally, the last thing I wanted to mention was that this was a class – with not a lot of help at the linebacker position. Um, but I really did think that they might add someone at the linebacker position. Obviously, they did take Ty Summers, but I don't think anyone thinks Green Bay views him as someone who will come in and compete with Oren Burks or potentially even start in 2020. Um, and we know Blake Martinez is a big name who is a free agent in 2020. And so while it is not a lock to happen. I do think that the lack of investment at the linebacker position bodes well for Blake Martinez's chances at a new deal. Uh, the two other players who will be free agents in 2020 are Mike Daniels. And what well, I guess he's not really a free agent per se, but Jimmy Graham who probably won't be on this roster in 2020, given the cap hit that he'll require uh, to be on the roster. But you could argue that the Packers drafted these guys replacements in Kingsley Kiki and Jay Sternberger. And so if I were a betting man today, I'd say that Mike Daniels and Jimmy Graham are out after the season. But I think based on their lack of activity at the position, I think the Packers will prioritize getting an extension done for Blake Martinez during the season uh, before he hits the open market and becomes more and more expensive. I think they value him, and I think the lack of movement at linebacker kind of pushes you to think that that's a better, there's a better chance of that happening than there was maybe before the draft. Yeah, and obviously that means Blake and his agent have a little bit more leverage than they did a week ago at this time. So, um, wow, I can't believe it. That is actually all the time we have for today, and that was all we were planning on talking about. So um, this has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark. They're going to break down how the Packers' 2019 draft class fits into the depth chart. And you can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers. Who are you supposed to be? I'm Captain America. Rodgers takes quarterback sneak, reaches over, and the ball came loose, but it's a touchdown! A touchdown, Green Bay!
Rodgers reached it over, and the Packers have taken the lead. To announce the Green Bay Packers selection, please welcome wide receiver James Lofton. With the 53rd pick of the 2014 NFL Draft, the 13-time NFL champion Green Bay Packers select Devontae Adams. I am Thor, son of Odin. Rogers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end zone. Devontae touchdown, and a dagger! They beat Morris Claiborne to the back line of the end zone. The Packers have won it! With the 18th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Jair Alexander. The truth is, I am Iron Man. Snap, blitz on, Allen running for his life, gets by Reggie Gilbert, pulls it back over the middle, and it is intercepted out of the end zone. Here come the Packers, down the right side of the 20 to the 25, it is Jair Alexander on the return. With the 27th pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Kenny Clark. Oh, smash! Packers showing blitz snap to Cousins under some pressure. He's had it snap! Kenny Clark! They have a deal in place with the Chicago Bears. Mack is on his way to Chicago. I want to be great. I want to be great. I want to be known as one of the best to play the game. I always thought of myself as the best defensive player in the league. That's what comes with Mack. Tell me his name again. Thanos. Read it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger initiative. The Avengers? Us mightiest heroes. Sort of like a team. Five letters here. Just for everybody out there in Packer land and yourself today. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're in the end game now. There's one goal here. Always has been one goal. That's to win world championships. And we're excited to get started. It is my pleasure to introduce Matt LaFleur, as the 15th head coach of the Green Bay Packers in our 100th season. I'm all about family. If that's one thing you're going to learn about me, it's I, I love my family. I did have the opportunity to talk to Aaron, and I'll tell you what, I, I, I cannot wait to get to work with him. I think he's equally as excited. With the 12th pick, the Green Bay Packers select 